I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Tuesday. I hope your week is treating you well. Today I am answering the questions that I receive most via DM or comment section, but first today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is counterculture coffee. I love counterculture. Um, I typically, there's a lot of humans there that I really enjoy, but also their coffee is really good. And I now share a co-working space with them and they did a coffee pop-up in the co-working space on Friday. And I got to have a really good shot of espresso. And then the same day we did a collaboration together where we paired coffees with Enneagram type. It was just a really fun day and I just feel really grateful for them as a company and as humans. My thorn is, I feel like I lost a week of my life last week. I had, we talked about this on the podcast before, I had six days of stomach cramps. I don't even really remember what happened last week. Like it was just kind of like a big whirlwind blur of being in pain a lot and trying to kind of get my work done, but also take care of myself. And I just, I feel like a week of my life just went up and disappeared. My bud is that I am going to Chicago a week from today. It'll be my first time like really traveling in the middle of COVID and post quarantine for myself. So it's something I'm very excited about. Also something I'm pretty nervous about, honestly, like I don't, it's just a confusing time, but I get to see two of my best friends from college and just kind of hang out with them and cozy up in their house. And I'm thrilled. Okay. So this is, just to be clear, this is not at all replacing tomorrow's regular Q&A episode. This episode is simply me answering the questions that I see in the comments or the questions I get in my DMs, like over and over and over again. I thought it would be easier or pretty helpful to have it in one place, as well as like one place where it stayed online for a long time that we could like refer people to. So the first question that I get a lot is when I post something about what a healthy type looks like or a suggestion of like ways to be healthier in your type, I get questions like, but like, how do I even do this? How do I learn how to do this? Where do I start? And so I just wanted to address that. I have kind of like a six part answer to this question, so bear with me. But the first is really quite honestly therapy. I know that therapy doesn't always feel accessible to everyone, but there are things out there like Open Path or BetterHelp. Open Path is an online community or an online website, kind of a resource where you can find sliding scale therapists in your area. So you can pay for therapy at a lower rate than like the standard rate would be if you had health insurance or something along those lines. So sometimes you can get therapy for as little as like $20 a session. The other thing with therapy is that there is BetterHelp, which BetterHelp is a friend of the podcast, but also they are just great in general. They offer financial assistance to people who can't afford therapy or who don't have insurance, so you can check them out as well. So I say therapy because honestly, like that's where we do a lot of our growth work. That's where we go in and the Enneagram, kind of bringing the Enneagram into therapy, you're able to say, this is what feels like I'm learning this about what looks like health for me. 
And can we talk about that? Can we talk about if this really is something that I need to work on or if this is something I can kind of release or how do I get started on this work? Where can we look at in my life to help me go deeper on this? Our therapist and therapy is this time where you have someone on your team dedicated to your mental health, dedicated to your growth. And I really think we all need it. I don't think that it's something that we should trivialize or make seem smaller. And if you are similar to me and you've had experiences where you're like gone to therapists and you're like, I don't get this. I don't feel connected to this. You've probably just not find the right therapist. There is a therapist for you who is going to be a good fit. I've experienced that like miracle therapy where I found my person and I feel really connected to them twice in my life and I've gone to a lot of therapists, I will say that this isn't sponsored by BetterHelp, just to be clear, but BetterHelp does make that easier, especially if you're someone like me who has a hard time with exiting relationships gracefully. Like I have ghosted therapists in the past, not proud to say it, but like that's been the deal. And I've had to really learn to communicate more and be more direct. But with BetterHelp, you're able to do that more effectively. You're able to kind of date your therapists a little bit easier. So anyway... Therapy is number one. <laughs> number two, I really think it's like meditation and presence practices are also a huge asset. When it comes to our Enneagram type in terms of health, it really is about how much we're really here in this present moment, how much we're not looking outward for peace, but we're allowed to find peace in what we have in the moment, like not striving, not reaching, but just kind of being. And meditation is a really incredible asset for that. One of my favorite Enneagram teachers, she talks about 20 minutes of meditation a day is like bare minimum practice. Now, I will say that's something that I, I'm still striving to do. Like, I don't know that I could say I could sit down for 20 minutes and meditate now, but I, a good five, 10, 15 minute meditation is something that I can easily do every day. And when I do it, I am definitely the healthiest version of myself, or I definitely have an easier chance of being a healthier version of myself. Because what really is happening when we meditate is we're slowing down the space between kind of what we're feeling and how we're reacting to what we're feeling. You kind of are able to become an observer and really pause and before you react kind of choose how you're going to respond meditation for me it, it slows that process down so much that I'm able to be more embodied I'm able to be more intentional and I'm not just kind of operating out of that animalistic lizard brain mindset which is what really those lower levels of health average levels of health of our number are that's kind of just our like on autopilot, animalistic, kind of showing up without thought version of ourselves versus kind of pausing and intentionally choosing how we show up. Now, another thing to consider is journaling or coaching or self-coaching. If you were thinking about goals and kind of working forward toward goals, coaching can be an incredible asset in that regard. It can help you to really think about where you want to go and then learn some tools and tricks to get there or kind of even work through some of these things that are blocking you or limiting you from going to where you want to go in terms of growth. But if coaching isn't something that feels attainable to you at the moment, you can also try journaling, a really good journaling practice, asking yourself really good questions, kind of pondering through why you're doing what you're doing, what you really want, who you would be if you were without limitation 
what kind of things make you feel drained, what kind of things are giving you energy, just asking yourself really good questions. That's why a large part of my Brave Collective practice is giving them a journaling prompt for every day, just so that they have these things to spur communication with themselves, to ask themselves good questions, to get the right answers. And finally, when it comes to being healthier with the Enneagram, it's just about letting these coping mechanisms down for a bit, recognizing that they were here for time and we needed them. You know, they are what got us through a lot of our childhood and early adolescence and also early adulthood, but maybe right now they're not serving us so well and we can kind of let them loose and say, what if I don't have to be perfect? Or like, what if I don't have to be the one giving the most? What if I could be loved for just being who I am? What if I don't have to be successful in order to be worthy? In letting yourself kind of entertain that option and just kind of play with the energy of showing up differently here and there. Like, you know, as a seven saying, what if I show up even if I'm in a bad mood? What if I go and I'm having a bad day and I just say, yeah, today's a pretty rough one. Or what if I talk to the internet about, you know, the grief that I'm going through and I'm just really honest about the pain that I'm in instead of kind of pushing through and pretending like it's not happening and assuming that people will only want to be here if I'm happy. What if I add the thorn in to my rosebud and thorn instead of skipping it like I'm so often tempted to do? That is, you know, just these little practices of saying, what would life be like if I didn't have to be this? one slim version of a person. So those are just some thoughts on like how to get healthier. I will say at the end of the day, I really believe therapy is integral. Like it's, it's important and for a lot of us unavoidable. All right, question number two, what quiz do you think is best or what online quiz should I take to find my Enneagram type? This is the number one question that I get. And I did a whole episode just on how to self-type, but I just wanna say really quickly, skip the quiz if you can. If you feel like you have, and I think you could and should have the energy to just read the descriptions online, because if you take a quiz, I really believe, unless you are just like obviously your type and it's like very, very simple, which for some people it is, it's just way easier to read the type, self-identify, than it is to take a quiz because when you read the types and you're just much more likely to see yourself in the description than you are to type correctly on the test. And I think a lot of the confusion comes up with getting a response on the test and comparing that to our own understanding of ourselves and feeling like they don't line up. So I had to pause and go take my inhaler. So hopefully my breathing will be a little bit better from here on out. So when it comes to the quiz, at the end of the day, read the description types online, trust your own understanding of yourself, and don't rely on the test because when you take the quiz online, it's very hard to type accurately unless you are like deep in the average levels of health and then it might be easy, but otherwise it's really confusing. So that's my recommendation. However, if you are going to take a quiz, here are the two that I recommend. Beatrice Chestnut and Uranio have one on their website, which is cpeenneagram.com, and it's a three-question quiz. And this three-question quiz is really well done because it's basically having you self-type. It's just giving you like really thought-out descriptions, and you take the quiz based off of that. So 
big fan of that one. And then the second one is Integrative 9. This one is 95% accurate. I have personally administered this test to people and out of all of the people that I've administered it to, there's been one mistype, but that mistype made complete sense in their results. So I was able to really easily kind of navigate how that happened and make it make sense, but everyone else typed correctly. So that is my recommendation for quizzes. All right, number three. <laughs> this one's funny to me. I get this question all the time. People trying to guess my Enneagram type. These are the types that I get the most. Are you an Enneagram two, four, nine, three, or eight? I think people in presence when they meet me tend to think I'm a two or a nine because I am very warm and very friendly and sunshiny and I look very heart typey. I put my hand on my heart a lot. I think that comes from like my religious background. And then I get four because of writing poetry. I think people think just because I'm emotionally expressive in the way that I write that I must be an Enneagram for. I get three when I talk about business or I'm promoting a new product because I have to make money. <laughs> like I have to run a business to survive. And so people kind of automatically think I'm a three. And then I get eight because I'm very social justice oriented. I'm good about boundaries at this point in my life and I'll be very direct and very much like no nonsense. This is what feels good. This isn't what doesn't feel good. This is where I stand. This is what I believe. And so whenever I take a real big stance on any social justice issue or I put a boundary up, people go, are you an eight? <laughs> um, but no, I'm a social seven wing eight. And if I were any other type, like I'm definitely a seven wing eight. At this point, I like don't question it. But if I were any other type, y'all, I would probably be a five. Like I know that a lot of times when we're like basing opinions off of people online, we have these perceptions of them based off of kind of how we're experiencing them. But truthfully, like I'm in a very intense five space right now and I have been for a couple of years of just like managing my energy levels. I pretty much like to stay home. I want to like learn new things. Like that's what like the greatest joy of my life is just learning new things, reading good books and tending to my plants. Like I am like very introverted at this point in my life. Like just kind of like keeping to myself a lot. I know my job is very much online and I put myself out a lot on the internet, but yeah, in terms of like relationships, like it, I'm very five-like in a lot of ways. So, or one even, I have, I mean, that's the lines, <laughs> but I do have a lot of like eight, one, and five energy, but people often interpret me as a two or a nine. So fun fact. Okay, question number four, how do I get my type blank to blank? Meaning how do I get my type three husband to do what I want them to do? Or what do you say to a type blank who blank? What do you say to a type nine who doesn't know how to blank? This is kind of a confusing way to phrase it, but essentially, how do I control the people in my life and make them grow the way that I want them to grow at the pace that I want them to grow in? So my answer to this is you don't. It's really, it's their growth journey and it's gonna take the time that it takes them. You can make requests, you can set boundaries, but at the end of the day, like, it's kind of their process. And honestly, like you should be focused on your own work. Like if you're in a marriage with someone who isn't showing up the way that you want them to, truthfully, what you need to assess is how do I make this request or set this boundary and then release their response and then leave them when they show you 
who they are in that response. Because the truth is like, we can't change people. We can't control people. Their process is gonna take the time that it takes and you need to know if you're on board for that or not. And maybe you are, maybe you're not. And either way, that's totally fine. But we're not gonna be able to like convince people to change and grow. And honestly, I would say that if you, even if you were successful, it wouldn't be the relationship you desired in the end because they will have felt coerced. You will have felt like they're only doing this because you forced them to, so that they even really feel it at all. And there's kind of a ticking time bomb on there. There's an expiration date on that. So yeah, I think you don't, you don't get them to do anything. You focus on what we call in Brave Collective, which is the circle of control, which are your thoughts, your actions, your feelings, your boundaries, and operate from there. So let's say you do have a relationship with someone and them being in the lower levels of health of their type are, is negatively impacting your relationship. It is crossing your boundaries or it is making you feel unsafe. I'm not saying you don't say anything, but really you get clear on what's your request here and you communicate that request effectively. And then you believe them when they show you who they are. So if you say, hey, when you do this, it makes me feel this. I would request that you insert boundary here. If that is not the case, then I will respond this way. And then you follow through with that response. Because at the end of the day, again, you can set expectations, you can set boundaries, you can set requests, and then they're gonna show you how they respond to that. And you should trust that response and believe that that is how they're going to show up potentially forever. And if you can handle that, great. If you can't, important thing to consider. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, especially in a marriage, like try therapy before just giving up, go to therapy together. But if they aren't willing to go to therapy with you and they won't listen to your boundaries or respect your boundaries, then at some point you have to say, can I live with this the way it is? And if you can't, that's totally okay because you can't you're not gonna change people. They can change themselves, they can respect your requests, but at the end of the day, like they, they're in charge of their growth journey and if they're on board, then great. If they're not, we need to believe that. Okay, number five. This is maybe my second most common question and that is I want to be a coach. I wanna be an Enneagram coach, so where do I start and where did you start? So I am actually really excited to get to answer this question to like a larger audience because this was a really hard thing for me when I was wanting to be certified the first kind of round. I looked everywhere and I really struggled to know which schools were legitimate, which schools were actually qualified, and then also whether or not I should spend the money or go cheaper options. Like I, I couldn't figure out where to invest my money or if I should just save that money. There were some courses online that I considered taking that I'm glad I didn't take that are just kind of like really not helpful courses online. Like I wish, I'm glad I didn't take those, but I thought about it because it was less expensive. And I wanted that like piece of paper at the time because I just wanted to know that I was qualified. I ended up getting my first training with Integrative Nine based out of South Africa. I didn't go to South Africa, but that's where they're based. I went to San Francisco and did a three-day training with them. And then now I'm kind of in the very slow process. I'm just taking workshops here and there with a the narrative tradition to kind of eventually, I probably won't get like a formal paper with them just because I don't 
need it. I want to take all of the courses that they teach in their training and then I'll probably do that with Beatrice and Urano school and as well just because I want to I just never want to stop learning and these people have been teaching for years and years and I want to learn from them. So to quick answer I got my first one at Integrative 9. If I were to start over I love integrative. I think it's most helpful for two types of coaches. First, if you want to do typing interviews, and that's like the main thing that interests you is helping people to find their type. I think integrative nine is a really cool option for that. Also, if you're doing corporate trainings, that's kind of their specialty. Yeah, I think they would be really good for that. And I'm grateful that I did my training with them for that reason, because I do do a decent amount of corporate trainings. And I feel like I was given adequate preparation for that. Now, the second is if you're interested in working in depth with subtypes and you're really fascinated by subtypes like me and you wanna go deeper into that, Beatrice and Urano have a school, the CPE Enneagram, and they do trainings. If you are interested in panels, which are where you have all of the different Enneagram type, like all of the same Enneagram type together, kind of speaking about what it's like to be their type and learning the Enneagram that way, the Narrative Tradition has a program that might be really beneficial for you. They're at enneaworld.com. E-N-N-E-A world.com and their program is incredible. They're also great if you're really into embodiment and like somatics and yeah, that's a really good place to go if that interests you as well. Then the Enneagram Institute from what I understand, like doesn't offer certification anymore, but they do offer workshops. So that might be a good place to go and learn. And then I've never learned from this school specifically. I do know that there is one in Asheville where I live called the Enneagram School of Awakening. And though I haven't taken workshops from them, I have worked with and interviewed people who have trained with them, who are deeply informed, deeply knowledgeable, and who I really respect. So I trust that the school is very qualified. But in general, my goal is to never stop learning. So hopefully I will be able to kind of take the full course load from all of these. I don't think we ever stop developing. When we talk about, you know, is certification important to coach? I probably would have said no six years ago, five years ago. I probably would have said no to that. At this point, I do think it's important. I do think that we should invest in our education and invest in like best practices. I've made a lot of mistakes as a coach and I honestly don't call myself a coach anymore because I call myself more of a consultant because I'm not necessarily like asking I'm giving a lot more advice than asking questions. At this stage of my career, that's more what I'm doing is teaching. But for coaching, there's just a, there's some ethics that need to be explored and, and learned and skills that will make you a better question asker. And with the Enneagram specifically, I think you can think you know what the Enneagram is, and then you get into these trainings and it just deepens your understanding, deepens your respect, and then that's going to impact the way that you coach far and away. So I highly recommend, especially if you're coaching, using the Enneagram to get a certification, at least one, if not continuing to learn for the rest of your life, that would be my invitation to you. Now, finances are definitely a concern when it comes to this. My first one, I really pushed to be able to pay for it. It was a big expense and it was very scary. So I just want to be clear, it's not always like financially easy, but I do know that there are lots of teachers who offer financial assistance and it never hurts to ask. If you are someone who's wanting to do this work, who's wanting to pour back, a lot of these schools 
have financial aid options. So don't limit your access to education because you're afraid that you can't afford it because if you ask, you may be surprised by what you learn. I saved the most controversial one for last. <laughs> that is, what are your thoughts on the Enneagram and religion? This question comes to me in several forms. I get this question from people who are not religious asking if the Enneagram is inherently religious and if they can learn about the Enneagram without religion. And then I get questions from people who are religious asking kind of, is this like from demons? <laughs> and what's the origin of this that I feel like I can trust it? And additionally, questions like, is the Enneagram good for Christians? That kind of thing. So I wanna be clear that I'm not personally religious. I come from a religious background. I was deeply, deeply, deeply religious. I was, I would say Southern Baptist. Most of my life, I did 24 hour prayer rooms. Like I was like very, 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 very religious all the way until my mid twenties. But I went through a deconstruction that altered my experience with God and altered my experience with the Christian tradition and evangelicism, evangelicism, <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying that right. So I just wanna be clear about that. So when it comes to the Enneagram as a religious person, I may not be the source that you're looking to for answers around that, but I'll give you my answer just in case. In my opinion, I think the Enneagram much like religion, is more a reflection of the person using the tool than it is the tool itself. I've had meetings with Enneagram teachers who I immediately felt uncomfortable with because they were talking to me in a way that felt disrespectful or inappropriate. I felt like they weren't working on their inner work and it felt really obvious to me and I felt like I'm gonna put a boundary here and probably keep this person at arm's length. And then I've interacted with Enneagram people who I felt like are absolutely just like doing the work themselves, living and breathing this in their personal lives, who really love humans and want people to thrive and like are doing this because they want the best for people and they wanna see the world healed. And you can tell the difference, right? And it's the same tool, but it's the person using it and how they've chosen to use the tool that I think matters. It's the same with religion. I've had experiences with religious people where I feel like I'm closer to God because I've connected with them. I feel like I remember the beauty of religion and I'm reminded of the, the presence of the divine. And then I've had experiences with religious people where I'm like, oh, this is evil. <laughs> like this is really bad. And it's not the religion, right? It's the person using the tool that I'm concerned about, not the tool itself. The tool is a neutral thing. The Enneagram is a neutral thing. It's just a lens through which you could view the world. It's how you use that tool that is going to determine if we're using it for healing and love and acceptance and like opening people up, helping people to grow and to move beyond these things that are harmful in their life or if we're using it to harm people and limit them and put them into a, a box or simplify them or discredit them, right? And I will also say that even when I was religious, like my respect for God was so much bigger than something like this, right? I wouldn't think that God was so trivial that he could be manipulated by a personality tool. Like, you know, the God that you believe in, the God that I believe in, like is bigger than that and isn't so easily undermined and trivialized. But at the end of the day, like 
you can use this to fit into your worldview. There are religious Enneagram teachers who fit it into their religion. And then there are people who teach the Enneagram as its own thing. In my opinion, I personally am just a big fan of keeping them separate. But if you had said that to me when I was really religious, I would have said that's impossible, right? Because keeping things intertwined and, you know, God was everything to me. So God was in everything to me. So I understand that and can empathize with that for sure. I also think like a lot of times religion has been used to keep people from working on their mental health, not God, right? The religious institution has prevented people from accessing accurate information, getting therapy that wasn't controlled by the church, exiting abusive marriages, healing their self-worth issues. Like religion as an institution has been kind of a historical roadblock to mental health. So I just want to be careful if your preacher or someone in your life is saying the Enneagram is evil, listen to the other things that they're teaching you. Are they also teaching you that you are worthless, that you should take their word above your own intuition, that they speak for God not and God doesn't speak to you? How do they speak about women? How do they speak about people who are... LGBTQ? How do they speak about people of different colors, different political beliefs? Are they trying to control the way that you view the world in other ways other than just the Enneagram? And does your relationship to your God tell you something different? If you're really, if you sit in silence and you listen to God, does God pointing you toward them or is he pointing you toward you? In my experience with evangelicism taught me to look for ultimate truth, right? And to live and die for something. So I just want to be clear that energy when applied to the Enneagram is inappropriate, right? We don't need to convert people or convince people that the Enneagram is like the one way, the one tool. It just is. It's a tool that can be used and it can be used really well at times and it can be used really poorly at times. And honestly, the less power we give to it, the better, in my opinion. It's really about, hey, here's this tool that can be really useful in your life do you want to learn about it or not? <laughs> and like, we don't have to persuade people. They can grow without the Enneagram. Does the Enneagram help us significantly to grow faster, to understand each other better? For sure. But no amount of coercion or persuasion is going to help them grow faster because they have to want it for themselves or it's not going to matter. So that's just kind of my opinion on and thoughts on religion and the Enneagram. I thought about doing a whole episode on it, but honestly, I'm not really inviting DMs about that. So I didn't want to make it seem like I was, but it is a big question that I received. So I wanted to also address it. Okay, friends. Thank you for joining me for a little bit of a wild card episode. I'll be back tomorrow answering more questions with our regularly scheduled Q&A Wednesday. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I will see you tomorrow for the next episode. <laughs>